Please remain standing for the reading of God's Word from Proverbs chapter 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as a father the son in whom he delights. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Please be seated. You know, at the beginning of every year here at Cornerstone, it's been our tradition, it's been our custom to pause and to remember who it is that we are and what it is that God has called us to be. We've sometimes referred to these uh, occasional messages in the month of uh, January over these last uh, 10 years as vision sermons. We've sometimes taken a look at our vision as a congregation We've sometimes taken a look at what it means to be uh, a Christian in its most foundation and and basic sense. We've uh, sometimes focused on a particular uh, discipline of the Christian life and and what it means to um, be a faithful disciple of the Lord, one who is a true follower of Him. And we're keeping with that tradition uh, this year by taking five weeks, the five Sundays in uh, January, to look at a a passage of Scripture, all of which we've read this morning, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, a section in the book of Proverbs that is sometimes referred to as the sum total of Proverbs teaching, a kind of mini book of Proverbs in the book of Proverbs, a section that many of you, even as we read it a second ago, recognize, especially those verses 5 and 6 right there in the center of those 12 verses in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. You can see that I just spoke that like I knew it. Um, It's a very well-known passage of scripture. I'm sure a number of you this morning could, uh, if called upon, actually recite those very words from Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, we, we're sitting in this text, and we really are sitting in, in it. We're going to be in it for uh, the next five weeks together. That's right, five weeks in 12 uh, verses. We're going to move very uh, slowly through this text. And there's, uh, there's a method to that madness. And we might say there's a wisdom to moving slowly uh, through sections of Scripture, and especially sections like uh, the book of Proverbs that we're in. Uh, These Proverbs are meant to be savored. 
They're meant to be uh, marinated in, to soak ourselves, so to speak, in the instruction of these uh, aphorisms, these sayings from the mouth of Solomon that, of course, are ultimately from our own God to our ears and to our hearts. Um, It's difficult to read the book of Proverbs fast. Now, some of you probably have the discipline of reading a chapter of Proverbs um, every day and working your way through it in uh, the course of a month. It just so happens there's 31 uh, chapters in the book of Proverbs. It's easy to read a chapter of Proverbs a day over a month that has 31 days in it. It's a, it's a wonderful discipline, not trying to discourage you uh, in that. I find a chapter of Proverbs a day a lot It's a lot of instruction. It's very difficult to soak in what it's trying to tell you. I need to savor it. I need to sit in it. I need to uh, roll it over in my mind and in my heart. I need to do what the Bible writers call Haggah. That's the Hebrew word for for meditation. It's It's actually a word that the prophets, it was actually in the minor prophets this week doing a good bit of study. I notice it's a word that the prophets use regularly, not just with meditation, thinking reflectively, deeply upon the Word of God, um, but it's a word that's sometimes used with reference to the animal kingdom. A a lion, for instance, is sometimes um, referred to Haggah when he he has a low uh, rumble of contentment, like a purr. It happens in his heart when he is consuming the sweetness of his prey. Hmm. Wouldn't it be sweet if as we were working our way through Proverbs 3 over the next few weeks together that something of the, of the warm purrings of our own heart, contented as we would be in the delicacies of God's word, would be savored upon our uh, our tongue upon the, the taste bud, so to speak, of our very heart. Some of you, I hope and trust over the holiday season, enjoyed some good meals. And you, you enjoyed the kind of meals, I, I pray, that were slow in nature. That you were able to take a bite and, and savor it and, and say to one, is that, is that the oregano, right? Is that, the, is that the, the garlic I taste? Do I taste a little bit of, you know, you know, cranberry in this, you know, we, we sort of go back and forth and we're actually meditating on the flavor. We're thinking about it. We're dialoguing about it. And you know what happens when you do that? The flavor and the richness of the food is accentuated and your own satisfaction and joy in eating is compounded. That's the goal of a slow eating. What, what, J.I. Packer referred to in his book on on praying as a meditative reading, he referred to it as chewing the cud. Uh, The the constant savoring, gaining the flavors and the nutrients of the Word of God so that uh, we can be changed by it. That's what we really hope happens. Something of, of that when we look slowly and long at a passage of scriptures like Uh, Proverbs uh, 3, uh, 1 through 12. And so as we uh, today, because we've got a long time in this text, it was one of the beautiful things as a a preacher, I don't feel really compelled to have to say everything that I want to say. Now, you know I have a lot to say about about this text, and I, I do, but thankfully I've got weeks to say it, and, uh, and so I'm just, I'm going to savor like little things with you uh, as we work over that. I want to think through specifically uh, what I 
find in my own soul, and, and, and especially over the last month to six weeks or so, dialoguing with so many of you in the congregation, there were some themes that just showed up in the life of our body where I thought to myself, we need some time to think and sit in a text where we're asking for the Lord's wisdom. And in this text, I think, really helps us uh, in, in that regard. So as you look through the months of 2022 ahead and you see... Um, big decisions that are going to have to be made and, and transitions that may be taking place in your, your family or uh, financial challenges or career shifts or relationship matters that are going to need to be addressed. Some of us may look at it and, and do so with some foreboding because we're not sure how to handle it. We, we feel as if we are in over our heads. We need the wisdom of the Lord as we enter into 2022 together. And for many of us, that's more acute at the beginning of the year. Uh, as we make plans and we sit and we look over things uh, together. And so we're asking the Lord as we enter into 2022 to grant to us His wisdom and to meet with us in Proverbs chapter 3 in a way that will portion out the instruction of God's Word graciously to each and every soul in the way that we need it. Let's trust the Lord for that even now as we pray and ask for His help and His blessing. Father, we would ask that You would be kind and gracious as You always are as we enter into this time in your word in Proverbs 3. We pray that the foundations would be laid in our own hearts and souls for the challenges, and the opportunities, the callings that you have placed upon our life as we enter into 2022 together. And Lord, as we lean specifically into these words from your servant Solomon and we meditate upon them, we would ask that you would make these words a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our way, that we would find these words more satisfying than the daily bread that we enjoy at our tables, that we would find that when we have been in your word, we have met our soul's desire. For we have come face to face with Jesus. Father, would you know now the hearts in this room? Would you know the hearts that are joining us via live stream at kitchen tables and couches across Middle Tennessee? Lord, would you clear away so many things that could want to eat up the word of God and keep it from planting in our souls? Would you right now just... Just clear away those distractions and bar the evil one from any malevolent work that he would have for this moment. And would you grant your spirit in such overwhelming presence that the beauty and the power of your word would be inescapable to us. Lord, would you hear this prayer now? And by the spirit, come and speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in thinking through wisdom literature, which you'll get the chance, some of you who enter into the Ecclesiastes study in a few weeks, we'll enter into another one of the wisdom books, part of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. One of the unique things about wisdom literature is that it uses a lot of metaphors 
It speaks to us in a lot of word pictures. It, it um, hopes to and strains to inflame our imaginations that we would envision what's being spoken, not just receive it as information, but that it would be formatively imaginative to our hearts and to our lives so that it sticks with us. This is why in the midst of a sermon, right, you'll very often forget uh, you know, the Hebrew and the, the, the didactic, structural, uh, doctrinal kind of things are happening. But you'll go, you know when you told that story, right? <laughs> it's like, yes. And, and we can't remember what the story was connected to, what it was meaning or, or pointing to. But we remember the, the story. Why is that? Well, there's something about the use of the imagination in connection to memory that lodges away truth deep with in us and and the writer Solomon here in the book of Proverbs is is utilizing as a good father to a son as you see in the text my son speaking as a father to a son he's he's saying what do i need to communicate to him to her to my child in the faith as i desire for them to grow in maturity and and wisdom how what do i need to communicate but then secondly how do i need to communicate what needs to be communicated, so that it's not lost on them, so that they remember it, so that they, for years on end, it sticks with them. That, that's part of what the writer of Proverbs is doing when he speaks to us so regularly in uh, metaphors. And one of the metaphors that's used throughout Proverbs, throughout the wisdom literature specifically, is the metaphor of a path. We actually see that here. If you'll just glance with me at verses 5 and 6 of Proverbs 3, notice how he invokes that imagery. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. In all your ways, and all the going-ons, all the paths of your life, he will make them straight. Speaking of, of paths. Now, I want to today... Um, to actually utilize that imagery of, of path just a bit, to think about wisdom um, in, in a large way and then lay foundations for the very specific teaching that we'll gain in the weeks to come from, from Proverbs chapter 3. And I want to ask this question. If wisdom is a path that we are called to walk, what does that tell us about the nature of wisdom? What does that tell us about the nature of wisdom? If, if wisdom is, is captured by the imagery of a path, notice it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not being described here as a, a moment. It's not being described as an experience. It's not being described as a, as a book, though that imagery is used in other places. It's described as a path. If wisdom is described very often in, in across Old Testament wisdom literature as a path, what does that tell us about the nature of wisdom? What's being communicated? And there are three things that I want you to see that I think are structurally given to us here in Proverbs 3 to help us understand the nature of, of true biblical uh, wisdom. And the three things are this. If wisdom is a path, it means that wisdom provides direction, number one. It requires discipline, number two. And it leads to a destination, number three. Those are the three things I want you to, to remember. That it provides direction. That's what a path does. That it requires discipline. You're going to have to walk <laughs> the path. And then thirdly, it leads to a destination. That, that's, those things are implied 
uh, in the nature of wisdom if wisdom is a path. Now, I want to start with this. It provides direction. Uh, a walking path, um, by its very nature, is directive. It's the purpose of a path. It tells you uh, where to go. And by default, if we can think of it this way, it tells you also where not to go. It, it, it literally hems you in. You, you, you know this is the beaten down path. I'm not to go that way or that way if there's not a path there. There's hedges that are hemmed in. And, and so this is the way I should go and not these other ways. Wisdom is like that. It provides direction to our life. That's why we, we want it. That's why we desire wisdom. But it also requires discipline. It requires discipline because a path is meant for walking. <laughs> for walking. You've got to walk a path. It's not enough to, to know that there's a path. Oh, look, there's, there's a path. You're not going to benefit from the path by simply knowing that there's a path. Now, that's important. Um, it's important to know the path. You've got to start there. That's the beginning place. But, but the path of wisdom won't make you wise any more than reading about working out will make you healthy. Or any more than about studying diets will make you thin. <laughs> I may be speaking to myself. Um, the, you have to walk it out. You have to do it. The path of wisdom is engaged with the will. This is why, just as an aside, sometimes highly educated people are very unwise. Because wisdom doesn't, is not derived merely from a book. It's not something that you can just educate into someone. Someone actually has to go and do it. The will has to be engaged. It's, it's absolutely um, a necessity. This is how wisdom takes hold. This is why, you know, right, so many of us, uh, when we walk through life, walk, right, again, metaphor of a path. When we walk through life, we get to certain junctures and we look back and we go, oh, I really messed all of that up, but now I know how to do it. And we say things, don't we, all the time, I wish I knew beforehand. Here's the trick. You can't know beforehand. You've, you've got to walk it out. Like that's part of the wisdom. And you think to yourself, I don't like that. I, don't, I want to know ahead of time. There's a wisdom to that. There's a deeper wisdom that the Lord has in store for you in that. That we'll get to. There's a reason why you've got to walk it out. It requires discipline. Now, well, it requires discipline. You've got to stay in it. Right? <laughs> now, this is, this is what I mean by that. You have to stay in it. You've got, to, you've got to walk it. it get, it's slow. It takes, it takes time. You know, you know what? This, you know, it's the beginning of the year. You know what? I've been flooded in my inbox the last few days with um, expert and guru advice about how the best year ever in 2022 and how to hack my way through every challenge and struggle that I'm going to experience in life. Have you gotten these emails? Am I the only one that gets these emails? I get these emails where the people of the world, the smart people of the world are telling me that if I do this thing, if I buy this program, if I 
three installments of 1999 over the course of the next few weeks. If I enroll in this, I am going to be transformed, utterly transformed like you. Trust me, you're going to see it, like you're going to watch it over the course of this year. I'm going to be transformed. You're going to be like, Nate, Nate, he bought that program, didn't he? Like I can tell he did that, that thing. Do you, know, do you know what that is? That, that's a uniquely American and, and I would say even deeper a human tendency to, to want to get something that only comes with hard work and time more quickly and with less effort. And that's never the way. That's never the way. Now, it's a great way to get your money. But it's not a great way to be wise. It's not a great way to be wise. Wise takes time. It takes a plotter mentality. There's a great article that Kevin DeYoung wrote a few years ago called The Glory of Plotting. And um, the simplicity of staying in the same path for a long period of time. And this is hard for us. It requires discipline. A path provides direction. It requires discipline. Thirdly, it leads to a destination. It leads to a destination. Listen, nobody gets on a path and says, I hope this goes nowhere. Right? The nature of a path is that it goes somewhere. Um, it, it's, it's heading somewhere. Um, what's interesting in the Bible is that there, it's very clear that there are more than one path that one can be on, right? So we're talking about a path of wisdom, but you remember Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 saying, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many find it. It's, guess what? It's easy to find. It, it just... Just start living by your own instincts. You found it. Start listening to the spirit of the age. You got it. It's everywhere. You can find this way. It's very broad. But I, I want to tell you, it leads you somewhere. It's called destruction. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 7. But then he says, narrow is the way. The wise way. That leads to life. And few are they who find it. Now, now, narrow doesn't, doesn't simply mean like, you know, you're going to have to squeeze, you know, squeeze in to be able to, to get through. It means that there's really only one path. There's many different paths that lead to the same destruction, but there's only one path that leads to life. It's the path of wisdom. The wisdom is the word that Solomon's using to describe this path. The New Testament's going to use a, a, even a more fuller perspective of, of what this wisdom entails, what its nature is, but it's always going to lead us somewhere. And so as we enter in, I mean, part of what I want us to take in uh, this day is that as we enter into 2022, whether you know it or not, you're on a path. There's no non-path people. Everyone is on a path. Everyone is going uh, somewhere. And some of us know that we're not on the right path. If we're honest with ourselves this morning, we go, yeah, this is not it. This is not it. And we're, we're hopefully entering into 2022 and going, I want to know the path into life. I want to know the narrow way that Jesus speaks of. I, I want to know the life that's promised as a destination at the end of that path. 
Others of us, however, I'm afraid, uh, think that we are on the, the right path. We're certain that we're on the right path. We're super confident in our path. And, and, and sadly, we're on the wrong path, and we don't even know it. And that's part of what Proverbs 3 needs to show us. That we have called the narrow way the, the broad way, and we have called the broad way the narrow way. And we don't even realize that we've done that. And, and for some of us, that means that as we're walking through Proverbs 3, it's going to be a discipline in humility. It's going to be a discipline in coming to terms with the fact that we're on the wrong path. We, we don't need to live in denial because the path is leading somewhere. But being able to come to a place where we go, I'm not wise. I'm not on the way of wisdom or the path of wisdom. I don't even know how to get on the path of wisdom. Can you help me? Right there is the spirit of Proverbs 3. Right there is the spirit of the Lord at work in your heart and your life saying, Lord, can you help me? Can you help me? The spirit of humility, the spirit that says to the Lord, come, I need your wisdom. Now, in the first 12 verses of Proverbs chapter 3, I want you to see, just as you look at the text with me, I want you to see six couplets. There are really, there are really six couplets, verses 1 and 2, verses 3 and 4, uh, 5 and 6, 7 and 8, 9 and 10, and 11 and 12. And they all, uh, to be quite honest, uh, follow the, the very same pattern that I gave you in the three points a little bit earlier. That's why I gave it to you. It's kind of a key a little bit, a structural key to map out the path of wisdom. So if we're on a hike, and some of you are... Hikers, I love to hike. Some of you like to do those, you know, four, five, six-day hikes where you're picking up camp and you're heading out. Where if 2022 is a is a hike, before you go on a hike, you need to make an assessment, right? You need to assess: Do I have, you know, do I have the health to do this? Do I have the provisions to do this? Do I have a map of where I'm going, <laughs> right? Do I know where this path leads? You don't need to. I've done it. You don't want to go on a hike where you don't know where it leads, right? You end up where you don't want to be, all right? And so these couplets, these structures really follow the pattern of directive to destination that inculcates discipline. That's really what these, these, all these couplets do. I want to just give you the example right at the very beginning. Notice the structure of verses one and, and two. Notice the direction. Here's the direction. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. That's what, there's your direction. That's what you are uh, to do. Now, here's the question you should be asking after that verse. Why? Does your heart kind of ask that question? It should. For some of you, because you're, you've been Christians a long time, you go, yeah, I do need to do that. Right, because you already have a sense that you need to do that. But if you're just reading this freshly, the question is, why do I need to listen to your teaching? That's actually a very that would be a very modern approach to reading Proverbs, right? Who are you to tell me that I should follow your teaching? I will follow my teaching. You know, what is well, who gave you who died and made you king that you can tell me what to do? So you want to ask the question, why? Why do I need to not forget your teaching and let your heart keep my commandments? Notice verse two. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. There's your destination. That's where, that's where it heads. 
If you follow the direction of this path, it leads to this destination. Oh, yes. Now, when I, when I read this, when I read verse 2, for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you, let me just ask you theoretically, is that something you want? Class? Yes. <laughs> let me answer for you. Yes, you do want those things. You want years longer, long, full days, years of life, and you want those years uh, uh, to be filled with, with peace. Interestingly, the, and we'll look at this again more next week, but Proverbs, when it speaks about the length of life, it always speaks about it as a blessing. A long life is, is a sign of God's blessing. A short life is, is, is a curse. It's been cut short, we say. Um, a, a long life with strife is a curse, Proverbs teaches us. But, but notice this particular path is a long life with peace. A long life with strife is cursed. A short life that doesn't fulfill uh, what seems to be, uh, quote unquote, the, uh, the proper allotment in, from a human perspective here uh, of time. We call that untimely death, right? We speak of it in that way. It is, is a curse. That's, a, that's not something we pursue. But what would we pursue? A long life that's full of peace. Sign me up. So the, the, the Proverbs, the wisdom here is saying, follow this direction because it leads you to where you really want to be. Now I want you to know that that's what God is always doing when he speaks to you in his commands. That's what he's always doing. He's a father that's speaking to a son or a daughter and he's saying to you, I'm giving you this instruction and command, not because I am a cosmic killjoy that wants to stamp out every last spark of fun and excitement in your life. I'm giving you this instruction, this command that in the meantime might at times be unpleasant, but will ultimately lead you to a fruitful harvest of righteousness, to a destination of long life and peace. That's what our God is always doing when he speaks to us. He's speaking from that place of, of love. Now, when I read that couplet, when I read what I'm supposed to do, not forget the teaching, um, let my own heart keep the commandments, and I hear the appeal for the destination of where it's going to take me, for a long days in life will be added unto you in peace. When I hear that, I go, how, can I, how can I do that? Oh, yeah, right. I, I need not forget the teaching. Yes, I need to keep the commands in my heart right. How do I do that? Because I, I want that end, but I struggle to complete the directive. And so I don't just have a what, here's what you do, and a why, but I also have embedded in this a question for me that I think is intended by the writer, a question of how. This is the question of discipline. What do I need to incorporate or inculcate into my life to keep the teaching of my God before me so that I'll remember it? What do I need to do in order to have my own heart conditioned and fashioned and changed in such a way that the commandments aren't merely external behaviors that I bend myself towards, but are internal delights and desires of mine of which I longingly want to follow my God wherever it is he calls me? How can that happen? That question is here. And I hope that you can see the structure there of each of the Proverbs in this way. If you just look at verses 3 and 4, you'll see the same thing, right? 
Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Do you hear direction? Here's your destination. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and of man. And we could do that through every one of the couplets. They have a direction, they have a destination, and it's going to require, in order to get from the starting block to the destination, discipline. A form of discipline. Now you may be thinking to yourself, okay, so here's where, you know, Nate tells me to read my Bible, right? And Nate is telling you that. More importantly, God is telling you that. He, he wants your heart to be like David's in the Psalms where he says, I love your law. It is my meditation day and night. It is sweeter to me than honey, even the honeycomb. That's what he wants you to say. And you may say to yourself today, I can't say that with integrity. I, I want to be able to say that, but I can't say that in integrity. The, here's your question. How can I get there? Do you hear it? Discipline. What, what needs to be inculcated in your life? What needs to shift? What needs, what needs to happen? If some of you are going, well, I'm doing the right things, I think. That's what he's called me to do. Yes, I'm falling short here there, but the habits are in place. I just keep losing sight of why. There's your question. That's the when you, how, do you, how does the destination Get, get before you so that you can remember these things and, and be fueled and, and motivated unto the pathway with joy, right? That's the question. All of these are doing that when we enter into Proverbs chapter 3. Now, as we draw today uh, to a conclusion, one of the things that I want you to almost be concerned about as you read Proverbs 3, and especially uh, maybe this one couplet that we've glanced at, at least today, is that it, it could come across as if it, it, Solomon is just giving to us worldly wisdom, right? I mean, let's be honest, we could stop anyone on the street, Christian or non-Christian alike, and say, would you like to have a long life full of peace? Yeah, that sounds great. Better than the alternative. It's not particularly Christian, is it? It actually can sound a little. Um, it, it can sound a little self-helpy, to be quite honest. Like, like you know, okay, go to Barnes and Noble and you know find that four principle book, seven step book, uh, ten keys book, whatever it is, to being healthy, wealthy, and wise in 2022, and follow that thing as hard as you possibly can, and your magical life will appear over the course of, the, of this year. It, it sounds a little bit uh, like that. Is that all, all of what Solomon is going to give to you? And, if, and if for some of us in here, we're like, <laughs> no, thank you. I've been down that road. I've been burned by that road too many times. I'm tired. I do not want more self-help. I want someone to help myself, right? Someone else to do the heavy lifting. <laughs> I don't want to have to do it myself. That sounds awfully burdensome to enter into 2022. I'm not in the sort of uh, young, vigorous, um, idealistic stage. I'm beyond it, and uh, I'm disillusioned <laughs> with such that whole section at Barnes and Noble. Well, I have nothing to do with it. You know, some of us actually feel that very strongly. And I, let me tell you, there's wisdom in that. 
Now, it may not be that the disillusionment and the symptoms of unable to grow or hopelessness that might be attached to that or all of the failures of all the attempts that have led you into kind of almost a cynical uh, direction. That's not wise. But the wise that you're not being duped anymore by prepackaged paths that will only lead you to greater disillusionment and lack of contentment and satisfaction. The fact that you've pulled back from that is such a wonderful thing. And I want you to know That's not what Solomon is saying here. That biblical wisdom is so much more than a self-help book. You know what? You could read your Bible all year long. You could be faithful. You could finish the one-year Bible reading plan that you started yesterday, of which you're about to be behind on today. You could start. You could could finish it. Let's going to say you're going to finish it, and, and you finish it, and you could have the hardest and most difficult year of your life. It's not a genie in a bottle. It's not a magic pill. It's not what the Bible is. Your, your, your father loves you too much to give you something like that. He's taking you on a walk, on a path to wisdom. You see, the Bible's not a technique, it's not a trick. It's not a way of hacking your way through life. It's way richer and grander than that. It's a journey. It's a journey into the heart. It's a journey into the heart of wisdom. Why do I say it that way? Well, I say it that way because today is Epiphany Sunday. That's really why I say it that way. In part. And Epiphany Sunday is a Sunday that's set apart in a season that's really the culmination of what we refer to as the, the 12 days of Christmas liturgically in the church calendar. It actually falls on January the 6th. That will actually be Epiphany, the day of Epiphany. But we're celebrating it on this Sunday, January the, the 2nd. So it literally means revelation. To, to have an epiphany is to what? Have an aha moment. To have a revelation. Uh, many of us, when we're asking for wisdom, we're asking for that. We're asking for something to click. We're asking for something to come together. We're asking for a revelation. And that's exactly what Epiphany is about. And it's only for wise people. Because it's on this Sunday where we remember the wise men. Right? The, men the men who come from the east. You wonder why we read Matthew 2? A little earlier, <laughs> why in a minute we'll read as with, or sing as with gladness at the end of the service. It's because this, this Sunday represents people who go on a path, a long path, from a faraway place. Because they quit looking at the wisdom of the world and they looked up and saw a star. They saw the God of the cosmos and they discerned his movement. They paid attention to his ways. And they, they were following that God all the way to the child. And they found what Paul calls the wisdom of God. They found Christ. In whom, Colossians 2, 4, in whom all the wisdom and knowledge of God is hidden. 
all of it. You see, this is where Solomon's day has. Do, do, you want, do you want years added to your life? You're going to need to meet Christ. Because your life is 70 years and if due to strength, maybe 80. Do you, do you want peace in your life? You're... You're, you're, going to need to, you're going to need to meet Christ. The one who is called the Prince of Peace. The one who has come to spread his shalom as far as the curse is found. You're going to need to meet Christ. Do you see the path of wisdom is a path not of four principles or seven steps or ten keys. It's a path that leads you to Jesus now, for some of you, you're like, I knew that. I knew that before I started. Did you? Right, right now, some of us, because of the path we're on, we're frustrated. And we're at dead ends. And we've tried lots of things and they're not working. And we keep asking God to bless our plans and to bless our path. We want him as a resource to our journey. But he really isn't the treasure that we're seeking on the path. And lo and behold, in his kindness, you know what he's doing. He's frustrating your plans. Because in quote-unquote following him, you're still trying to hold on to your life. Do you know when the wise men came from the east... They didn't come to Jesus to get something from him. They came to Jesus to give something to him. Because they had seen the worthiness of Jesus, the treasure. That he was the wisdom that they, the wise men, had always been looking for. As we enter 2022 together, we're seeking the wisdom of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. By God's grace, we'll find him. He'll find us. Father in heaven, as we pursue you by faith, in the spirit, through the mediation of Christ this year, we pray that you would make, oh Christ, more believable and beautiful to us. That he would be to us more than anything that our hearts are after. He would be to us what our hearts are after. Change us until that is so. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.